I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Well into hour number two on a Monday edition of Light the Tower, Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker, got a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine to give away this hour. Got a Longhorn Notebook, got a Flex Update, and uh, yeah, since Cam wanted it, we'll do a kind of a vacation recap, if you will, uh, of my vacation. Spent four days at Disney World last week. So Cam, Craig did read my updates, my Disney World updates on the air? Yeah, we did. We got the uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, where you were apparently an a-hole. Yeah, um, I was the a-hole, because... Two zebras started getting after it, and I laughed because, <laughs> come on, you see two zebras getting after it. That's funny, right? That is that is not something you see every day. And there were parents around me who were just aghast that a parent would laugh at that. Well, I'm sorry. I find it funny Can when you, I see two animals getting after it. D- describe the uh, the parents that were upset at you because I bet we can kind of figure out what demographic they fall into. Nah, do, do I really need to do that? Okay. You so can use your imagination. Yeah. Couple of Karens, all right. But you know, I'm I'm sure there was a dad in another part of the the little vehicle I was in who laughed, just didn't do it as loud as I did. I mean, <laughs> at some point, those parents just they got to have the birds and the bees talks, right, with their kids. It's it's part of it's part of nature. <laughs> the parent in front of me, you know, that little boy's probably five six years old. What are those two zebras doing? And the mom was <laughs> like, "They're playing, they're playing." Boo! What a cop out. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, they're not playing. So, anyway, uh, yeah. So, what else you want to know about the uh, the vacation? Can actually, yeah. So did you well, hit? So, do you hit all four parks? Because you got yeah. Magic Kingdom, yeah, Magic Kingdom, Animal Kingdom, Epcot, and Hollywood Studios. So hit all four. I I would say if I'm power ranking the parks, yeah, let's hear it. Magic Kingdom is number one without okay. question. Uh, I think had the cool and. For me, the experience is watching my daughter's facial expressions as she goes through everything, and I think Magic Kingdom was the best. Uh, We got one of those, you know, you can do different dining experiences, right? So, like, our dinner, we ate dinner at the Magic Kingdom on the night we were there, and it's at from, you know, from Beauty and the Beast, the Beast Castle, like you eat there. And it's like, you know, a really pretty expensive dinner. Actually, had a pork chop there that was very good, I might add. Um, so, and then, like, the Beast comes out and it's, you know, wearing a costume. And my daughter just thinks this is the greatest thing ever. So I, I enjoyed things that my daughter was really excited about. Like, we, I texted you and Craig, I think on the first day we were there on Tuesday, when we, we started at Epcot. And... 
We did the Frozen ride, Frozen Ever After. And, like, my daughter, it was, like, basically Frozen songs throughout the ride. And, dude, she, like, just her face lit up and, like, just basically how I would view it if, like, I walked by Michael Jordan out in Gen Pop. That's mm-hmm. how my daughter was, you know, with Olaf leading the way through a sing-along on a boat ride. So it was it was awesome. So Magic Kingdom, if you're, like, an old school, if you've never been and you're, like, an old school Disney fan, Magic Kingdom is the place to be. You know, Cinderella's Castle and, you know, my daughter, she, she, we've cycled through various Disney movies, Cam, that are her favorite. And right now we're on The Little Mermaid. So doing The Little Mermaid ride, the, the Disney resort we stayed at, we stayed at the Art of Animation Resort. It's like our, ho- our part of the resort was like a Little Mermaid themed hotel. The pool was Little Mermaid themed. So my daughter just thought that was, that was awesome. Um, so yeah, I would say for me, Magic Kingdom was one. I would say unpopular take with my wife. I would say uh, Hollywood Studios okay. was two. I thought Hollywood Studios had the best rides. The Star- is that where the Star Wars? That was okay. Star Wars: Rise of the Resistance. That thing was so good. Uh, just one of those. And some of these are simulators, and they're in our interactive experiences. They're not like legit roller coasters. But that one, I I'm not even a Star Wars fan. I've never seen any of the movies until. I started episode one on Saturday, and I, wow. I actually passed out. Like, I, Not because the movie was bad. I was just so tired. I'm going to try to go back this week and watch it, but I'm making it a point to get through the Star Wars saga. Hold, I, hold, hold on. You've never seen like any of the originals? Mm-mm, nope. Wow. I'm working, my way, I'm working my way through them right now. Wow. Um, yes. I mean, Craig said you weren't a big Star Wars fan, but I figured you know you, you at least have seen them. But I don't see. I don't know. I, I wouldn't even watch the original. I would watch the originals first, not the not the prequels, because I think I watch the prequels and it'll kind of like because eh. I think you would appreciate the humor in the originals with Harrison Ford versus the mm-hmm. prequels that were a little bit you know they were. So you don't think I should go in chronological order? No, you think I, I don't go think so. in order of release. Yeah, I think so. I think you watch and Specs text line. Correct me. I think you start out with New Hope, um, Empire Strikes Back, which I think is considered probably the best one, and then Return of the Jedi. Okay. Because you can't you can't go wrong with Harrison Ford, man. I was watching Rares of Lost Ark yesterday. That movie still holds up, <laughs> and the your, graphics in that movie are better than the new Flash movie somehow. What uh, What's your favorite Indiana Jones? movie? Probably Raiders of Lost Ark. Raiders of Lost Ark. Okay. I'm a uh, I'm a Sean Connery guy, so I, I like well, all I like the Last good, Crusade. Right? Yeah. Just like the Star Wars originals, so I think I think you start out with New Hope, but that's just my opinion. Uh, somebody. Chimed in on Specs' text line, kind of trashy. I can only imagine a grown man giggling about animals having sex. Yeah, well, disgusting, Jeff. I never, I never said I was socially or emotionally mature. So there is that. <laughs> um, never, never professed to be that. But at any rate, uh, also CB did remind me of something. I did text you and Craig about the Magic Kingdom. For all the positives, the only drawback, I'm small world. Ninety nine percent sure Walt Disney was on an acid trip when he <laughs> came up with the concept of it's a small world. Dude, it's and of course I was like, oh yeah, it's a small world, and, and I get it. Oh, my wife was like, they're okay, I get it. They're singing, it's a small world after all, in different languages and it's different cultures, and I'm like, of course, the first any kind of Latino slash Hispanic little puppet I see, it's a kid on a donkey wearing a poncho and a sombrero. I'm like, oh. Of course, had to throw that in there. Yeah, just <laughs> let's just let's just stereotype it all the way around. So yeah, I just I was like, man, if I uh, 
that could be seriously. I texted you guys this. I don't know if you said this on the air. That you could be tried for a war crime yeah. for for using that as a form of torture. Like it's one time was enough for it's a small world for me. Uh, but Hollywood Studios not only do they have the Star Wars right, which the Star Wars like you go to that Star Wars part. There's like a Star Wars portion of that park, and it's like they have Star Wars themed drinks. Like my wife got a Star Wars themed cold brew that had cocoa puffs in it. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, the they had the Coke bottles there were shaped like the Death Star. Made to look like the Death Star. So, like, very yeah, they were spheric- sp- spherical, yeah. if you will. Spherical. Um, so I, I just thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. Uh, also did the uh, the Tower of Terror ride, the mm-hmm. Hollywood Hotel Tower of Terror. My, my five-year-old did it and didn't complain. And the okay. drops, like, you're, it's, it's the drop, you know, you're going up and down and, like, the G-forces are lifting you off your seat because there's no seat belt. You just have the lap bar. That was a fun ride. Um, not going to lie, my daughter and I enjoyed the Frozen sing-along that we went to, and we're like, we need to find something that's in the air conditioning, so we did that. <laughs> so what I liked, that's one of the Were best. you singing along? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, come on, Cam, you've, it, it, when you have kids, you'll understand there will be Disney movies that you'll be able to pretty much recite the dialogue start to finish. You'll okay. know you'll know the, the critical markers in the movie. Moana and Frozen are, are those movies for me. Starting to get there with Rapunzel, getting reacquainted with the Little Mermaid. So it's it's just life. Just life as a dad. Where was where was Epcot in your rankings? At three or four? I would say Epcot was three. Okay. Um, solid. If you're Epcot is more. Um, is that more of like I I went to Disney World once and it was during COVID and it, it was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Is that more of like hey? We we're gonna take a day and just kind of relax and enjoy some food and beer. It's not it's it's one day you, you take away on the side, right? You separately yeah. go, yeah. Versus because uh, we kind of hit Magic Kingdom and back and forth with Hollywood Studios yeah. and stuff. Stoner said a uh, rock and roller coaster. No, Stoner, the rock and roller coaster featuring Aerosmith was actually closed the day that we what? went to Hollywood Studios. It was open though uh, the day after we went. Um, so Epcot was fine. Epcot is more of that's the day if you need a break, like if you're if you're an adult and you just like okay, I need a need break. A drink, I don't need, need a beer. don't need a bunch of rides. Um, just need yeah, need a beer. Need some you know, try a bunch of different food. That's your Ep- that's your Epcot day. Epcot Epcot is your day of just kind of recharge a little bit, kind of throttle down, if you will. Uh, and then fourth, I would say Animal Kingdom, and not you know there were a couple highlights. I and I enjoyed the safari, uh, the zebras, the, the Avatar, the Avatar ride was freaking awesome. That was pretty cool. Uh, but you know, and it's probably because we we did the Lightning Pass for the first three, really the for Magic Kingdom and uh, Hollywood Studios. We did the Lightning Pass where you don't really have to wait in the big long line. Yeah, like if it's a I told you and Craig this. We did the lightning pass for Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. We were, from the time we got in line to the time we got off the ride, in and out in 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Love that. Love um, that. By the time we got back to the front and saw the wait, standby line was a three-hour wait. That's what it was for Avatar when I went. It was three and a half hours. Yeah. Like, uh, forget that. We caught Avatar. We didn't, again, we didn't lightning pass that one. We decided it got down to, f- I think, 45 minutes. And we're like, okay, now's yeah. when we need to go. Yeah. But it, by the time we got there, 
Because my wife had an app that was tracking wait times. By the time we got over there, it was, I think, 90 minutes. So we waited, we waited in the line for about an hour and a half to do the Avatar ride. But it was worth it. It was good. I just didn't think, you know, Animal Kingdom was okay. It's kind of like if you've, if you've been to one zoo, you've been to them all. Mm-hmm. Um, so not really a knock on it, just kind of. And maybe because we did that one the last day we were there, and by the time we were done with Animal Kingdom, we're like, ready to go. Just ready to go get in the pool and chill before we got to be up at, you know, three in the morning to four or four in the morning, whatever it was, to go to the airport. So that, those are the highlights. Um, again, overall, pretty enjoyable experience. My wife is ready to go back. My daughter's ready to go back. I'm not chomping at the bit <laughs> to get back. Chomping or champing? Don't start, Kim. Just it's whatever. It's whatever you want it to be. Uh, but so so there it is. I'll take your text on that on Specs text line three three seven three seven seven six. Kim, let's get to this Chris Paul debate real quick. Um, oh boy! I want you to pull. Did you pull up Chris Paul's stats during the break? Doing it right now. Okay. Use whatever criteria that you want to use. I maintain Chris Paul's not a top five point guard of all time. Depending on. How you want to label, what positions you want to label, Steph Curry and Jerry West, who are combo guards, if you look at their basketball reference page, their primary position is listed as point guard. But some would not consider them true point guards. Okay? So let's take Steph Curry and Jerry West, unquestionably, we would say both guys better than Chris Paul. Let's just take them and put them off to the side. I've got five point guards. I would say unquestionably I would take ahead of Chris Paul. You ready? Yeah. Magic Johnson. Agreed. Isaiah Thomas. Agreed. John Stockton. Mm, I'll push back on that. Oscar Robertson. Agreed. Steve Nash. Okay. I don't think anyone anyone's wrong there. I Now, I would argue – now, I know Stockton went to the NBA Finals twice, but if your argument was Chris Paul – Never could get over the hump. Well, neither could John Stockton. Yeah, and neither could Steve Nash. Really, Steve Nash. Steve Nash. I'll give you that. There is a. I think there is a healthy debate to be had between Steve Nash and Chris Paul. The fact that Nash was a back-to-back MVP, one of those being a unanimous MVP, that to me gives Steve Nash the edge. Um, but other than that, there is a healthy debate to make. If you're going to say, well, Chris Paul, at least Chris Paul got to a finals. Mm-hmm. And I think we can say Chris Paul, much better defensive player than Steve Nash. I don't think I, I would never, as a Mavericks fan, I could not say that with a straight face. I could not make that argument and feel good about myself. 17, 17 year career for Chris Paul. 12 All Stars, four time All NBA first team, five time second team, two time third team, seven time NBA All Defensive first team. Been to the finals. I was the rookie of the year. Led the league in assists five times. Led the league in steals six times. He's always, whenever he's on a team, for me, he always makes that team better, right? And my thing with Chris Paul is that, yeah, you know, he's he's never won a ring, but when has he been on a team where you feel like he wasn't, that team wasn't a contender, right? The Houston teams he was on, right? Rockets fans who are listening. They were, he had that injury in, was it game seven in 20, was it 2017 or 2018? Mm-hmm. If yeah. he stayed healthy, they might beat the Warriors, right? That that Rockets team with him and James I Harden? Think, I think they would have. They went. If Chris know, Paul's healthy, I think they beat I think they beat the Warriors. Yeah. And that see, that's the thing about Chris Paul is that if you can go through and say, well, if he was healthy, because if he was healthy for the final series against the Bucs, they might win that NBA finals. If he was healthy 
uh, for the Clippers a couple times. You know, they had a really good team. It, from his career, he's had one of the most consistent careers of all time. And that's why I would have him as top five. Now, where he fits in that top five, I you know, I believe Isaiah Thomas, as much as he was an awful uh, front office guy and maybe an awful human being, I think he's still the number one true point guard. I would argue Chris Ball's two or three. Um. Yeah, Chris Paul was hurt in Game Six, didn't play in Game Seven, and that's the game where the Rockets missed yeah, like game four, six. forty-three three-pointers. Started over seventeen, over sixteen, something, something, something insane. Um, I would say this about Chris Paul. Th- this is my what if with Chris Paul. It's not so much the Game Six injury. My what if with Chris Paul is what if that what if that trade to the Lakers happens doesn't get yeah doesn't get vetoed by David Stern in the league. Like, Chris Paul might not have the numbers that he has, but I guarantee you Chris Paul playing with Kobe, he's 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 got at least a finals appearance long before he had one. And honestly, man, Chris Paul at that point probably has a ring. You put prime Kobe with coming into his prime Chris Paul, we, we probably view Chris Paul very differently if that trade to the Lakers goes through and if he has a championship. Yeah, and the Lakers, because that next year, because remember, they made the trade. David Stern vetoes it. Uh, shout out David Stern. Uh, rest in peace. Then they go out and they, they get you know Steve Nash and Dwight Howard, which ended up being in two awful moves. But that team that year, they would have had Kobe Bryant and they would have had Paul Gasol. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a contender because the team that came out of the West in the 2011 season was that. That was Dallas, right? And Dallas was a 60 in the playoffs and ended up just getting hot. So you could argue, you know, Chris Paul in his prime, if he's healthy, you know, you're right. Lakers, Chris Paul's career could look a lot differently, especially playing alongside Kobe Bryant. It, w- it would have rejuvenated the Lakers because you watch by the end of that Maverick series, dude, the Lakers were toast. They were done. Yeah. It was like the – it was that old dog that you realize, and I had to make that decision earlier this year. It's that old dog that's been a great dog, but then you realize – I. This is this is this is no way to live. I just need to do the right thing here. The Lakers need to be put out of their misery by that point. Maybe Chris Paul gives them a shot in the arm. I don't know, but I think Stoner or somebody said on the Specs text line. I think we've had it for a couple of people. Um, Chris Paul and you just said it, Cam. Chris Paul's entire career is if. Yeah, it is. It's a but giant series of ifs. You you can't argue against his numbers though. And for can't seventeen years, the numbers. But I would take those five those five point guards for sure that I mentioned. Magic, Isaiah, John Stockton, Oscar Robertson, Steve Nash, in no particular order. I would take any of those five over Chris Paul. And then if you're going to say you, you want to consider Steph Curry and Jerry West as point guards, Chris Paul is at best, to me, the eighth best point guard. So he's barely sneaking into the top ten. Yeah. In terms of a true point guard, I, I wouldn't have West or, or Steph Curry as a true point guard. I think Steph's more of a combo guard. Yeah, they're both, they're both combo guards. Jerry West, he's kind of in that spot with like LeBron James, where it's like, like if you had to list him, like you probably put him as a forward, but really he could play all five spots mm-hmm, on the floor for sure. All right, we'll take a break. Come back. We've got a flex update, and we've got our second hour Longhorn notebook. We'll finish that summer Q and A that we're working on, and re-rack the good news Rodney Terry and company got this morning. We'll do that when we come back on Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Light the Tower. Rolling along, Monday edition of Light the Tower on the horn. Jeff Al, Cameron Parker. Taking your feedback on the Specs text line, 337-3776. We'll finish up that Longhorn Summer FAQ coming up here in the Longhorn Notebook. Also got a flex update to get to. Get to. Got to re-rack some Texas basketball news. And speaking of that flex update, let's get to it right now. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. All right, got a couple of things to get to. Cam, what you got? Congrats to the Round Rock Dragons winning uh, the 7-on-7 state championship. Their first time since 2019, making it out to College Station, and uh, Mason Cochran delivered. Central Texas and the greater Austin area has had a really good run of success. Yeah. Division one uh, yeah. uh, title, by the way. Uh, Lake Travis has won it. And Stony Point won it one year, many years ago. So uh, typically you'll get a couple of Austin area teams that make it pretty far. So shout out to the Dragons. Uh, good job. Good job by them. Uh, yeah, Mason Cochran, Leonard Moore on defense, the Notre Dame commit was yeah. – uh, was really good anchoring that secondary. So, shout out to the Dragons, the seven on seven state champions. All right, we're gonna stick with uh, football here. This clip we're gonna hear is courtesy of my colleague at twenty four seven Sports, Josh Pate. The late kick with Josh Pate. If you don't watch it on YouTube, don't subscribe to the podcast. You need to to get your college football fix. Josh Pate was talking about because he was out out at the Elite Eleven with some of our twenty four seven Sports staff. He picked not who he thought was the best, but his favorite quarterback from the Elite 11. It's a local prospect, and I think if you're a, a Hutto Hippo fan, Ooh. if you're a Texas Tech fan, I think you'd be really excited about what my man Josh Pate has to say. And it's easy for a coach to say, oh, man, you're going to jump right into this nickel spot. And you're... That was Trent Let's try that again, Jeff. Let's try that again, shall we? The quarterback that I liked the most was a kid by the name of Will Hammond, who is committed to Texas Tech, and he was not favored by anyone to win the MVP nor the Alpha Dog Award. But you know what? At Pate State, we have our own awards. And so if we want to name the Pate State Freight of the Week, it was Will Hammond. If there's one kid who talked like he was 45 years old with a family and a reasonable mortgage and two cars in the driveway and a dog to take care of, it's Will Hammond. Just sounds like he's lived life. He is also physically pretty advanced. Uh, Joey McGuire and, and company out there in Lubbock, they ought to look very, very much forward to the day that guy begins starting games for them at quarterback. Very, very strong yeah, words from man Josh Pate about Will Hammond. Will came on the Flex Show a few weeks ago. Um, now, he's not 45 years old, but he's a very mature individual for a guy who's what? 17, 18 years old, and he's got scary good arm talent. So this, this is a take that, you know, if you've been following huddle football 
and been in the syntax area, like it, it's not a surprising take, Jeff, to be honest with you. Like he's a guy that, you know, I think he has, you know, higher upside than even Austin Novosad at times. Really? Wow. A hot take by one Cameron Parker. And Austin's a great quarterback. But I think Will Hammond has that potential from what we've seen in during his time seven on sevens, during his time at camps, especially from Elite Eleven. I mean, if, if that's that's a pretty big take coming from Josh Pate as well. There you have it. So uh, shout out to Will Hammond for a, a notable, noteworthy performance out at the Elite 11. All right, let's get to this hour's edition of the Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Rerack the breaking Texas basketball news, the big Texas basketball news of the day. Chris Johnson, four-star combo guard at Montverde Academy in Florida. National Prep Powerhouse. Dylan Mitchell finished his high school career there. Marcus Carr finished his high school career there. Uh, so did Chris Johnson. Spent his first three years at Fort Bend Elkins, then went to Montverde. Kansas signing initially, got out of his letter of intent with the Jayhawks earlier this month, and now he has committed to Rodney Terry and the Texas Longhorns, number 73 overall in our national rankings at 24-7 Sports for the class of 2023. Cam and I, we were talking about it during the show earlier. Uh, Cam, just to reset, this is a guy that I think has a chance to, to grow with Kendall Weaver and be a guy that can really be – really solidify your backcourt for the 2024-25 season in theory once Max Aismas and Tyrese Hunter are no longer on campus. Yeah, this is the move for Rodney Terry to at least you know provide some sort of insurance in debt for the 2024-2025 seasons because he's the only freshman who's going to have a scholarship on this basketball team going forward. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of super seniors, seniors, and upperclassmen. I mean, Kendall Weaver's a sophomore, but there's there's no guarantee that Going into next next year, Rodney Terry will have a returning guard. And for a a sport that is dominated by guards right now, especially combo guards, this is a good move for Rodney Terry because, you know, obviously he can attack the portal, but it would be nice to have someone to come in who's been developed and has the experience and, and knows the staff, knows the offense very well going into his second season. So this is not much more of a move for this year as it is for two years down the road, Jeff. Like we said, uh, T.J. Ford has been a really big mentor to Chris Johnson throughout his uh, basketball career. So the the connection with the Texas staff and the Texas program was there. Uh, and once he got out of that letter of intent with Kansas, Texas was on him. And I honestly, I know Washington and Arkansas were, were in the mix, but I, I don't think it was ever really a question of, of if, but when Chris Johnson was going to pull the trigger and make it known that Texas was going to be his choice. So, like you said, Cam, really big get for Rodney Terry. Uh, your backcourt of the future, as much as you can have a backcourt of the future in college basketball today, because you got Aceman and Hunter with skins on the wall, and now you bring in Chris Johnson along with Kendall Weaver. Let your guy, trend, you know, moving up a level like Kendall Weaver is after a really good freshman year at UTA was a whack freshman of the year, and then a true freshman coming from the high school ranks. Just kind of let those guys get their feet wet and then be ready to take off in year two. All right, Cam, oh, do you have something else to add on? Yeah, on before we get to the FAQ, um, Kyle McDaniel from ESPN released his uh, MLB mock draft. You know, the oh, yeah. draft coming out July 9th. Uh, Texas has two signees that I think are possible first-round draft picks. Nick Saunders out of Waco University and Travis DeCore out of Round Rock. This mock draft does not have those two guys going in the first 40 picks. Now, it's a mock draft. does not mean it's true, but I think for those two kids, a lot depends on if they come to Texas based on where they're drafted and that signing bonus, that guaranteed money. So those are two guys that I think would have it make an immediate impact as a freshman. Sanders, probably the number two catcher behind Blake Mitchell out of Sinton, who's going to be a top 10 pick. Yeah. And if not, he's going to LSU in Socorro. I mean, he's already throwing 100 miles an hour 
as a as a high school kid. So uh, July 9th, I believe, is the uh, MLB draft. Um, a lot of you know with the World Series, a lot of there's a lot of good pitching right now. So that's kind of a little bit of recency bias for a lot of MLB guys. We'll see what actually happens on draft day, but uh, two guys that you know Texas and Coach Pierce will have their eyes on come draft night. A little less than two weeks, man. If some, I, I've not counted on either one of those kids making it to campus. No. If you get one of those guys, then that's a win. Dude, if you get both, and now you're talking about, I know they're freshmen, but those are two pieces that they can they can help you. Those are the kind of pieces that help you get to Omaha. Yeah, and I think you know because you're, you're you're watching you know Waldrop and and uh, the kid from Rhett Louder and all these guys pitch small schemes. You know, obviously it's in the back of your mind; it's more fresh, so you're gonna probably like elevate them a little bit higher in the MLB draft, but. You know, once you get one or two weeks for the MLB front offices to actually sit down and think about what they want to do, I wouldn't be surprised if closer to draft night you end up seeing Travis Secor back up in the in the first round because talking to the scouts who would go to the Round Rock games, you know, they were like probably mid-20s is where we'll end up. But, you know, you never yeah. know. We'll see. You can also have a deal where we've seen teams work their draft like this with the bonus pool money yeah. to where you can take a junior or a senior definitely, but a junior that you know is going to sign. You know that they they don't want to go back to college. You can sign them under slot, save some of that slot money, and take a kid like a Nick Saunders or a Travis Sakura. Maybe take them if you got a sandwich pick or a pick early in the second round. Take them, and then now you can you can sign them way over slot, yeah. and it, it still makes sense for you. Yeah, which is, which obviously could definitely happen depending on you know. It's about the money, I think. Yeah. All right, Cam. Let's go ahead and wrap up this uh, summer football FAQ. All right. So we've touched on the year's expectations, mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers, the running back room. Now defensively, what needs to happen for Texas to take a major step forward in any young players who you think could factor into that next step, Jeff? I think overall you got to make more splash plays. Your havoc plays have to increase. And what I mean by havoc plays, if you have a great is one of those advanced statistics that Bill Connolly and, and folks of that ilk track, and I love it because it gives you a better idea of what kind of impact plays your defense is making, and that's tackles for loss, which includes sacks, passes defensed, which includes interceptions, and, and forced fumbles are also factored into your havoc plays because it's not necessarily fumble recovery. It's, it's how, how, how often are you getting around the ball and making an impact when you're there. Uh, Texas just didn't make enough of those last year. And we saw the numbers on defense improve, but I just think the, the interceptions and not necessarily the sacks, you'd like the sack numbers to go up, but I think forced fumbles, interceptions, stopping drives, you know, ending drives early, getting your offense in good field position. Uh, you know, because we've seen, you know, there's no reason why this offense shouldn't be a really good sudden change offense with the kind of firepower you've got potentially. They just need more sudden change opportunities. We see, we see more often than not in Sark's first two years, your sudden change opportunities have come off special teams. Now, whether it's a block punt, a big return, block field goal, whatever it is, we've seen more of those sudden change opportunities come, in, in special te- come off special teams. I think more of those just need to come off defense. Cam, I'm not necessarily saying you need to be Todd Orlando's 2017 defense and lead the country in defensive touchdowns, but you've got to get more interceptions, more forced fumbles, you know, more sacks, get offenses behind the chains. You, you want to become a better third-down defense, a better a better situational defense, get teams off schedule. Get them into third and long and take your chances there. 
So I, I, that's what I need to see from this defense. As far as young guys, I think it's going to be the linebackers, uh, you know, Leonga LaFowle and or Anthony Hill, especially Anthony Hill's a situational pass rusher. Really like him. And I think at the corner position, too, Terrence Brooks is a guy that we saw play a lot late last year. Um, if he can hold down that field corner spot, because you know what you got at boundary corner with Ryan Watts. If Terrence Brooks can be the guy at field corner, that just makes you so much more flexible with the rest of your defense. It really lets you – it allowed Jalen Catalan to settle into a role. You you can keep Jedi Barron at, the, at that nickel position, at that star position. You can use Gavin Holmes more liberally. It just helps out your defense on the back end tremendously if you find the piece, a piece that you can plug in and rely on down to down at field corner. Terrence Brooks is going to go into camp with the best shot to be that guy. Question number five, who's an off-the-radar player or players who could emerge to play an important role this season? I think I mentioned this in the Q&A with Kevin. It's hard at Texas to be very much off the radar just because when you're doing it right and recruiting, a lot of these guys are going to come in with hype. I think it's going to be somebody at that edge, those edge positions. Uh, you know, We didn't spend a lot of time talking about – I've looked at it from the standpoint of may, maybe a, an opponent-by-opponent approach to the edge position opposite of Baron Sorrell, whether it's, you know, you're playing a team that's more of a, a balanced offense. Mm-hmm. You might see more Justice Finkley and Jamon Tapp if it's a defense, if it's a team that plays you know, like a Kansas State and wants to play with heavier personnel. Maybe that's a week where you see more Dre Bledsoe out there uh, and definitely more of, of Finkley and Tapp. If it's a team where like a Texas Tech that's going to throw the ball a bunch and spread you out, that's probably a week where maybe Ethan Burke and or Colton Vossett get more snaps. Uh, I just, it's not out of the question, though. That, excuse me. It's not out of the question, though, Cam, that one of those guys just steps up and takes hold of that position. It would be coming out of the blue for me if that happened. So I think if, it, if it's going to be somebody stepping up, kind of a dark horse type guy on defense, I think it's going to be one of those edge guys. If you, if you want to take it over to offense and look at a, a dark horse type guy, again, it's hard to call DJ Campbell or Nato Zulu a dark horse, but said this before I left on vacation. You're bringing back all starting five on the offensive line. That's not necessarily a given that those are going to be your starting five wire to wire in 2023. I just think your depth is that good up front that you just might have some younger guys pass some, some more experienced guys. So I, I would say it's probably – probably going to be one of those edge guys. And if you want to get technical, David Benda and and Keaton Crawford are really good prospects for that. So we just haven't seen those guys do it on defense on a on anywhere close to resembling consistent basis. Keaton Crawford's done it on special teams. David Benda's been a backup. Those two guys kind of fit that mold of of dark horse guys that you think could emerge and be players of consequence. Kind of take that Anthony Cook path. Next one for you, Jeff. What's the general feeling about Steve Sarkeesian and the job he's done slash is doing at Texas heading into his third season? Uh, I think I'll speak for the Texas fans that I interact with on the flagship message board at Horns 24-7 and on the Specs text line. I think people love Sark as a recruiter. They love Sark as a personality, Sark as a motivator, Sark as a face of the program. In general, like Sark's offense, I think the big question is, is Sark the kind of coach that can work a game to give you an advantage in a tight game? Again, Cam, 4-10 in in games decided by 8 points or less. Mm. That's Texas' record under Sark in those games. 
Can he give you the kind of edge you need to get over the hump in those close games? You're inevitably, inevitably going to play in this league. That's what I think a lot of people either question or just don't. They just believe that's where Sark comes up short. And last one for you. We talked about recruiting on this show already. We know how Sark's done a great job recruiting, especially at a high level. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's fewer roster holes than perhaps in the last few years, especially coming off of the high-rated classes that even Tom Herman and Charlie Strong pulled together. Still a lot less roster holes going into this year. But is there a position that Texas needs to recruit at a higher level heading into the SEC? It need to continue to recruit interior defensive line at a high level because uh, you're about to run into a couple years where Alfred Collins, Devondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Vernon Broughton, all these guys are about to be gone. So you got to make sure you're replenishing that pipeline. I think defensive line, period, is where it is. We talked about edge. I don't I, – I can't say, you, and nobody can say they've recruited bad at edge. We just don't know what's there, really. So I would say edge, interior defensive line, basically your, your your defensive front as a whole. And I think corner. Again, not that they haven't recruited bad at corner. I just think the skill talent in the SEC continues to get better and better. You better make sure you got guys that can lock down in man coverage. Nick Saban's having a hard time finding guys right now that can consistently do that. So if Nick Saban's having a hard time finding those guys – Everybody should be having a hard time finding those guys. Recruiting at corner specifically, along with along with defensive front in that league, those two things are going to be paramount. In addition to continuing to doing what you're doing on the offensive line, because as 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 much speed and talent is in that league, the SEC always has been, always will be a line of scrimmage league. That's where Texas needs to continue to improve. There's two, I think, two for sure positions that needed to be addressed going to the SEC, and it's both the offensive line defensive line it feels like the o-line's been addressed d-line it's going to be a big year there's a lot of promise potential but it's i'm in wait and see mode in the d-line jeff offensive line i think it's going to be a great year for the o-line yeah especially given on defense the defensive line especially given losing colburn and ojimo some guys that played a lot of really productive snaps for you and and the depth really made that interior d-line group special last year are they going to have that kind of depth can they get it from broughton and collins or an aaron bryant Somebody like that further along down the depth chart. All right, we're up against it. Got to take a break. Come back. We'll close out this edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Oh, by the way, got to give away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Since Texas won eight games last year, we'll take caller number eight on the hotline. What's the hotline number, Cam? 512-447-3776. Caller number eight, you get a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Be back to wrap up this edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. All right. One last reminder today from me. Get over to Horns 24-7. We got the Chris Johnson basketball news. All kinds of recruiting stuff from the weekend. Got contributions from not just our recruiting staff, Hudson Standish, Jordan Scruggs, Hank South. Also, Mike Roach and Steve Wiltfong from a regional and national perspective. All that's over at Horns 24-7, so get over there and check it out. Uh, also, you can get the stuff Cam and I talked about in that vein on the podcast page at hornfm.com if you missed any of the show. Stay tuned. Shad is coming up next for the vacation in Craigway. For Cameron Parker, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back tomorrow to light the tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.